0: If you met me in this chapter of the year, post trip down memory lane, picture me sitting on the floor of my childhood bedroom with my physical life packed up in boxes around me and journal pages scattered around that were the emotional unpacking of my life. There were lists of limiting beliefs and examples of my maladaptive dating patterns and a self-diagnosis of disorganized attachment style, fear of intimacy, and some emotional avoidance. So how did I get here? This mess around me. When I think of why I was there, in the middle of this personal excavation, it may have been an effort to prepare for a relationship that was better and bigger than I could have imagined or believed for myself. But the true catalyst that sent me on this path wasn't really the start of a new relationship. It was the end of one. A breakup. I'm Riley, and you're listening to Everything But Love. Everything but- a story about the year I spent falling in love or trying to figure out how. Listen in on the uncomfortable questions I ask myself and others about what it means to be truly ready for love and at peace in its pursuit. I was trying while I was writing this to figure out how to describe a relationship and a breakup in my life without going into too much detail. And I kept coming back to this example of putting together patio furniture from Wayfair. Just follow me. I got this package in the mail and I didn't really expect much because, well, it was Wayfair. And as I start putting pieces together, you know, the first few go together really easily. And I'm thinking, whoa, kind of surprised. Like, this could actually be something great. Maybe I was wrong about Wayfair. And then a couple of pieces start giving me some trouble and they're just not fitting right. I had to sort of Contort the frame to make them work. And then I hit this impossible piece that would just not line up. And there was no foundation without it. So I literally started looking things up online like, how do I get this thing to work? What do I need to make this bolt catch? I tried different things. And the longer and the more I tried, the more frustrated that I got. I cried a little. I quit for a while. I walked away. I did something else. And then I came back to try again. I looked for an easy screw to fit in. That made me feel good for a minute. But the impossible piece was still there. And it just wasn't right. Now in my actual experience, I managed to get this set together. But if I carry this analogy to the finish line of the relationship and the breakup that I'm trying to explain, let's just say the piece was for another chair and it wasn't mine to fit or force. So I had to send it back. But not before running through an emotional trip. We've all been there. It's not always the first breakup. Just the worst one. It feels like nobody could possibly understand how you feel. But the more I talked to other people, the more I realized this was a similar rite of passage for all of us. No matter how or when it happens to you. And I wanted to get back together and she had moved on and I was like broken. And that lasted a long time. Like a mess to clean up. I felt exposed. I felt breakable. I felt ashamed and I felt embarrassed. I felt like the spare leftover parts of who I used to be that no one not even me, needed or wanted. Breakup grief is a unique kind of pain because I couldn't help but look in the mirror and think, how did this happen? And why do I still want to be with this person when I know it's just going to hurt me more? Why do I feel this intensely when it seems like he doesn't? Am I crazy? I'm pathetic. And the question that I decided to simmer on the most was, how do I never feel like this again? For better or worse, in today's culture, if you have a problem, there are a thousand people online talking about it and offering solutions. So I started down this rabbit hole where I was seeing phrases like attachment styles and abandonment wounds and a really big body of work called inner child. And what they all had in common was something I mentioned earlier, that As children, we're seeking to be loved and accepted. And in moments that we feel less than that, we internalize painful lessons that we may go on to try to repeat or correct and avoid in our future relationships. Now, I ignored inner child work for a long time because even though it kept coming up, at the time, I already felt pretty weak and pathetic and somehow trying to soothe a more weak little me felt like there just wasn't time or energy for that. I was looking to speed up my healing process and get to the glowing up and moving on part. Now I've heard inner child called your deep sensitivity and if you have a hard time speaking nicely to yourself, feeling compassion, or generally put yourself last you've likely got some inner child work to do. That involves getting to know that part of yourself. After my separation, all of a sudden I was alone and I had to live with myself and I had to get to know myself and in turn I just got to love myself. Love myself. And it was one of those things that people always talk to it all the time, but I had never truly done it. And loving myself really meant just accepting myself and who I was. Inner child work can look like many things. You can talk to a therapist and they'll have their own way of getting you connected and attuned. I used a workshop from To Be Magnetic. This workshop had me acknowledge each phase of my childhood development and try to connect and feel compassion for what my childhood self might have been feeling or going through at that time. You might be asking me, why is this important to think about the things you cried about when you were young? Aren't we all grown up and over it now? If I've learned anything, the answer to that is no, you're probably not quite over it. Maybe the exact same situation wouldn't trigger you again in the same way, but shades of it will. And everyone has their own special set of triggers. Have you ever noticed that? That the exact same thing could happen to two different people. For example, someone could make a joke about my appearance. And it might absolutely ruin my day and have me ruminating over comebacks. But to you, this might just slide off your back and not bother you at all. That's it. The reason that this happens is because there's something bigger than that joke that's been internalized and is affecting you long after the initial event. And the longer we go without addressing the root feeling, the more the pathway in our brain that has learned to react, maybe in a defensive way, is being worn down. It's like how habits are formed. You don't even get to think about brushing your teeth when you get up, it just happens. And I'm sure you can point to a similar habit of yours relationally that you do that you don't think of that maybe doesn't feel good. Maybe it's a feeling and a reaction you have when someone forgets to do something that you've asked them to do. And you get disproportionately upset. And that person is asking, you know, why is this such a big deal? And you probably have reasons. Well, it's disrespectful and you aren't listening to me. But what about when that's not always true? Maybe that person genuinely forgot. And now your feeling of the situation has actually grown a lot bigger than maybe it deserves. And that's really awful, too, because not only do you now feel upset and not listened to and respected, you now also feel a little ashamed about having such an emotional reaction that might not be fair to the situation so the theory behind inner child work and healing these parts is that in this example you might be able to point back to a key relationship or event in your past where someone you loved forgot something that made you really upset and since you were young those feelings were big and maybe it made you feel not worthy of being listened to or not important and now every time after when a person treats you in a similar way It's like another little paper cut in this wound. And it starts to make you feel like this is just part of life. People don't listen. So then you have to learn to cope. And those coping mechanisms become patterns and habits. And maybe the coping strategy is not to care. Or maybe it's to punish the other person with silence because you want them to feel bad too. And the purpose of healing is so that you can have more positive encounters. And that these things don't bring up the same intense emotional reactions that they do now. It probably sounds convoluted, but over the last three years, I've put a lot of this into practice, and I know that it works. I can see evidence in my life and my overall relationship's happiness levels. The order of events is kind of, look in the immediate present, identify a trigger or an emotional reaction that's coming up that may be disproportionate to the event, and then use that to try and trace back to a time in childhood. Have a healing moment while acknowledging your inner child that might be crying out. And then try to show up differently and take action that comes from a more healed place. The actions are often to do with boundaries. And I found out that most people have the worst boundaries with their closest relationships. There's some quote that's along the lines of, if you think you're enlightened, spend a week with your family. Basically, to me, that means those are the deepest relationships with the deepest patterns playing out. It's really easy to make a new friend from the space of healing and have that person see you the way that you are now and the way that you want. But it's really tough to test that new version in the face of people that have known you at all of your different phases. So I used my last breakup as my biggest teacher. What was the dynamic that was so triggering? Well, I felt like I was trying so hard to make him happy and make him want a relationship and to make it work. And I felt like he wasn't making an effort at all and being disrespectful and ignoring anything I was feeling or needed. But I kept trying until I cried and sent the part back, remember. But what I learned about this situation was that I was trying to control his emotions. I wanted to control the outcome for the relationship to be a success because I decided it should be. And I didn't care what I had to sacrifice to be right and get what I wanted. Specifically, my own peace. That was the first to go. And then some dignity and most of my self-respect. And I was still begging for someone else to treat me the way that I wanted to be treated. But how was I treating myself? What was I accepting and allowing that I had the power to stop and make a better choice? But no, I felt like I needed to fix this. And truthfully, that need and desire to be together was disproportionate to the even value that I would get out of that relationship. And in tracing back... I noticed similar patterns with other people where I wanted to fix or control their emotions the way that they felt. And I thought, if I could make them happy, then I would be happy. We don't actually have that much power, but sometimes codependent relationships can make it appear that we do and that we should be responsible or at fault if someone else is upset or unhappy or doesn't want us. And that is the crux of boundary work knowing when something is on my side of the street and when it's not. It's not easy, but there's great resources out there to help that I'll link in the post for this episode. So I started putting this into practice. I took a look at any area that I was overfunctioning or taking more responsibility for others than necessary. A lot of places. I had this new filter now when it came to dating, and I got really good at noticing negative patterns with any new partners. Since that breakup, I've met people with Similar patterns of unavailability who were not taking responsibility for their actions. Treating me disrespectfully. And in old scenarios, I'd step right up and I'd take it on myself. No, allow me to try to fix that feeling of yours and make excuses for you. But not now. I started actually saying no to letting that person take up space. I got really good at saying no. It was addicting, actually. The feeling of empowerment when I recognized that someone wasn't treating me with the respect I wanted and that I had the power to just gracefully say no thank you and redirect my attention elsewhere. It got easier and easier because I was slowly forming a new pattern and a new habit and not only with romantic relationships. After I spent time with my inner child, I felt stronger about my boundaries in romantic relationships and I turned to look at my friends. What dynamics were running out of old, outdated versions of me? And there were a few. People I'd play a role of helper or fixer. And I let those go. Not without love, but that dynamic wasn't helping either of us. And I knew that they would either find another person to play my part or they'd grow in a new direction where they didn't need me to fix and I could just be myself. So this was slow work, but I was seeing real changes when I started feeling better and more sure about the way that I deserved to be treated on a deep level, not just the talk people started treating me differently it's like they were reflecting back to me what I was feeling about myself and the ones that weren't I was ready to let them go to make room for more that did and my friendships deepened and I felt more comfortable in myself and my singleness than ever before and then I met someone this is my first podcast and creative project so if you want to follow along and hear some behind the scenes details on what's gone into creating this, you can join my Substack, where I'll send out an email with each episode. If you'd like to send me your own love note, you can find me on Instagram. And of course, they'll leave a review and subscribe feels like a virtual hug. So if you're in the mood to spread some love, do that. I'm Riley and you've been listening to Everything But Love. Till next time.